Join us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi, everyone. I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode 65. Today, how to become a backyard scientist. And we have a very special guest with us, Emma Gregg, who is the project leader from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology for Project Feeder Watch. And she's going to tell us all the cool things that Project Feeder Watch learns through the data from citizen scientists and what you can do to become a citizen scientist in your own backyard. Yes, John, talking Project Feeder Watch and how you can be that citizen scientist, you know, it's really just about watching the birds wherever you are and sharing that information through online or through the app and how all that information from all the participants, big or small, really does help save the songbirds. So let's jump in and talk with Emma. excited to have our guests with us today. So welcome, Emma. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> John, you want to list out some of her credentials? And Better yet, let's let Emma tell her story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Well, what can I say? I manage the Feeder Watch program. I've been doing it for almost 10 years now. Wow. And um, in that time, I've just, well, I grew to love it pretty early on and I mean, you can only love something so much, but I really love it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love peaked and plateaued. It's a great program. <laughs> and how how did you end up getting on at the lab? And and what what were your what's your background, Emma? Oh yeah, well, I started actually as a postdoc studying fairy wren songs. Fairy wrens are a little Australian bird that hops around on the ground and waggles its tail back and forth and they have some kind of cool vocalizations so that's how i came to the lab of ornithology and somehow i then transitioned into <laughs> managing feeder watch <laughs> i don't know how these things work but it, it's worked out really well yeah so you know you run this big program and, and the numbers have just gone through the roof over the last years you know as, as the under your leadership over 10 years the number of participants and the number of birds and checklists and things like that so how do you you know what 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 do you do on a daily basis basically well gosh it changes a little bit every day but i guess what we're always thinking about is how do we keep all of the information organized a lot of bird counts coming mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. So how do you oh, keep yeah. those organized? How do you keep all of the participants getting the support that they need through the website, through mailed materials, through email correspondence? And um, just, yeah, how do you keep things working smoothly? Oh, how do you spread the word? That's, <laughs> that's part of it too. Because yeah, yeah. it's a great program, but if you've never heard of it, well, yeah. you're not going to know to try it. Well, you've you've done some other things like the app that's on the you have a, a app for Project Feeder Watch that's kind of new. You know, it used to be paper. And when <laughs> I first did my first Project Feeder Watch, you got a packet and there were paper schedules and you mailed the paper schedule in and all that kind of stuff. And then they went to online. And now we have a really cool app that makes it really, really simple to do. So you've made a lot of changes. 
Yeah, we're trying to make it as easy as possible for people to submit data and have that be a nice experience for them. And so, yeah, the paper forms had to stop eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those may have been easier for some folks. Well, and just as a tiny, teeny, tiny secret, people who have been theater watching for a really, really long time, just with paper forms. Kind of like John. We still, <laughs> we still will let a few people do it. Yeah, yeah. And then we enter the data online for them with volunteers. A couple of volunteers will do that. So, but well, you should, don't tell people that because we're not well, doing it for anybody else. Well, I was just getting ready to say, I wouldn't know where you're still doing paper forms. So. We're not, we're not. Let's say we're not. I don't They're know why not, I told that story. Yeah. No. Where's, where's my pencil? <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I mean, how many participants in Project Feeder Watch in the last few years? A few thousand? There are about twenty-five to thirty thousand people who sign up every year now. So a, it's a few, quite a tens quite a few of thousands. Okay, tens this of thousands. This is fantastic. I could not imagine twenty-five thousand people, thirty thousand people sending in paper copies for you all to enter data. <laughs> just, no, we don't collect paper anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that is why largely why it's a winter program. Mm -hmm. And people always ask, why winter? Well, it's because when the thing started, you had to take the whole summer to process yeah. all of those paper forms. And wow. so we just at now the momentum is there. We've got all the data from the winter, so we keep going on winter. But we're always thinking, oh, should we start to open it up year-round? We, we haven't quite gotten there yet, but um, it's something we talk about a lot. So, Emma, well, what, 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 what does this do? I mean, why do this, and, and why should I help you do this? Well, there's, uh, I think, two different ways to think about it. One is that by doing this counting of the birds that you have around your home, you are contributing to an effort that is much bigger than your own backyard. The questions that people can answer with these large data sets are just, it's kind of like if you could dream of a question on a large scale, you can perhaps answer it with these yeah. big data sets. And yeah. that's not something you could ever do, just one person going around collecting data or even a small team. Yeah. So you really do create something larger than, what do they say? It's larger than the sum of its parts, maybe. There you go. Something there like you go. that. Yeah. There you yeah. go. So that's so one aspect. Yeah, I, I envision it being, it's that synergy. And we talk about citizen science and how someone can be a citizen scientist just by watching birds in your backyard and then sharing that data, like you're saying, wow, I mean, that like when you were studying the fairy wrens, if you had had 25, 30,000 people watching the fairy wrens <laughs> alongside you to collect all that data, man, what an amazing amount of information you can have at your fingertips to really start to answer questions, right? Yeah, yeah, but it would have been a massive thesis. <laughs> yeah, too much, too, maybe too much for me to handle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you get a, just a totally new perspective on things when you can look at this spatial and temporal scale of three decades, all of the US and Canada. It's a really 
wide view, a wide mm-hmm. view. Let mm-hmm. me put it that way. So it's things like, uh, you know, regional shifts in winter territories, that type of thing. It's, it's, it's movements, it's populations. That's it's the all, real. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of those things. Exactly. You can see change, you can see stability, but another piece of it is you can take all these bird counts and relate them to changes in the landscape, changes in the climate, changes in the prevalence of disease, and start to answer questions about more than just where are the birds and how many are there, but oh, what are the patterns of what, where they're occurring and why are they occurring there? Mm-hmm. So there's so much you can do but you got to start with these bird counts. So I, I forget when this started. Do you remember when it when the first the first Project Peter Watch was? It's well, I think it was actually it conceived in the seventies. It yeah. started in Canada yeah. in the seventies, and I can't remember the year exactly. And then it was in nineteen eighty seven, eighty six seven winter when, um, at the time it was called the Long Point Bird Observatory decided, well, if we really want to monitor these birds, we need to include some of the more Southern locations as well. So we mm-hmm. got joined forces with the, the U.S. group. And so they paired up with the Lab of Ornithology. And that was the 87 um, winter. That was when Feeder Watch sort of began as we know it today with the mm-hmm. current protocol and um, spatial distribution. So you have at least about 35 years worth of data to make these comparisons wow. with in regards to some of the shifts you've seen and like Anna's hummingbird on the on the West Coast moving farther north and things such as that. So oh, exactly. house finches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. House finches popping up on the East Coast and spreading back to the West. Yeah. yeah. Eurasian collared doves coming up in Florida and spreading across the continent. Yeah. Evening, all- evening, evening growth speaks, you know, used to be, you know, many years ago, I, I ran nature centers and in, in parks for 26 years, I always had a feeding station. And, you know, back in the eighties, it was not unusual to get evening growth speaks at your feeders in the wintertime here in Indiana. Now it's the, it's a reason to celebrate, you know, we hardly ever see them here in Indiana in any kind of numbers. So this, Project Peter Watch would document that and show how that trend mm-hmm. changed over the years. Well, I'm looking forward to potentially having evening gross peaks show up this year as the winter finch forecast is saying, eh, it looks like they're going to be on the move out of the northern boreal forests. So I know I'm going to be watching. And I think it'd, <laughs> it'd be great to capture that on different Project Feeder Watch lists from people's backyards. Well, and we will be. So if folks yeah. see them, we'll know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So what, what is it? What's in it for the people? Well, if, if we're, you know, we're here really to be honest with you, like you were saying, spread the word, let people know this exists. Uh, if they want to join in and, and be a part of it, how do they do that? And what are they going to get out of it? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that they get out of it that we, we hear from folks a lot is that by participating in this and being sort of uh, more compelled than usual to really watch the birds that come to their yard and identify them all. They 
learn so much about what's out there just because they're paying a little bit more attention. Right. You're writing it down. You're taking the time to identify that kind of maybe more boring looking sparrow that maybe before you'd say, I don't care. But now, <laughs> oh, your feet are watching. Well, okay, mm-hmm. time to learn. Oh, oh, that's a tree sparrow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they only show up in the winter. Holy moly. Okay. You can't help but learn about the birds and their biology if you're watching them. So so really all the program is doing is saying, hey, keep watching and mm-hmm. you will learn. And <laughs> and Cornell Lab of Ornithology, you guys will do all the rest. You'll do all the data crunching. We do all the rest. <laughs> we do. All you have to do, well, okay, you watch, but then you do have to type it in. All right. That, we try to make that real easy, like you say, with the app and online. Um, and and then we give kind of, we try to make cool data outputs yeah. and uh, send articles about what we're learning. So we try so hard to give back to folks so that you can see the patterns that you are that you're documenting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, we talk about um, how to help save the songbirds, part of what Cornell put out in conjunction with some other partnerships about how 3 billion birds lost. And we've created this whole focus of save the songbirds off of the seven simple actions. And one of those is watching birds and sharing what you see. And I love hearing you say, even in jest, yeah, okay, well, if you watch the birds, you still have to share as part of Project Feeder Watch. And that's that's just the simple part. It's the fun of watching, but then sharing. And then you guys do all the work and all the data crunching. And I have seen over the years those different reports mm-hmm. each year from Project Feeder Watch and all the really cool information about what is happening with birds. And to watch it for so many years and watch how we've learned more and more and more and correlate things back this year to last year and five years ago. It's absolutely fascinating. Uh, what's one of the things that has really caught your attention with all of this data? Well, uh, you know, you, we're talking about these seven simple actions to help birds, and that is just the perfect example of how these bird counts can make a difference because you think, oh, well, I'm just counting. I'm not actually doing anything. The only reason that we know so many birds have been lost is because of citizen science efforts like Feeder Watch. So mm-hmm. Christmas Bird Count, Breeding right. Bird Survey, eBird, mm-hmm. Feeder Watch. These are all different ways that you can count birds and, and share the data. Well, that's how we know yeah. that they're in decline. So then you learn, oh, I should be doing these other actions. But it's got to start from somewhere. It's got to start mm-hmm. from the patterns of the birds. Yeah, I often refer to this as the golden age of of science for birds. I mean, I'm sure it will continue to get better in all the technologies that's going to come to bear. But I never cease to be amazed with the type of data that's out there and and the the technology that we're using right now and the citizen science programs we're using right now. It is just what we're learning about birds is exponential, you know, in the last 10 years. It's just so many things that we found out, which to your point, totally, 
that's why we can have confidence. That's why we can sit there and why you and, and all the other partners in the uh, in the, the report a few years ago that said, you know, we've got a 30 percent decline in our in our birds in North America. And here's why. And, and we can be very confident about the numbers for the most part, you know, maybe a few individual birds, not as much data on. But overall, we know this is happening. So, yeah, it's very, very important. So if somebody wants to become a participant, uh, how do they do that? Oh, the easiest way is just to go to the website and there's a big red button that tells you just how to sign up. And then when people sign up for Feeder Watch, we will send them a little, it's a, like a little research kit. What it really is, is a, a beautiful poster with some gorgeous illustrations of common feeder birds. <clears throat> that you will see. So you do not have to be an expert. You do not have to be well-versed in your Peterson's or Sibley field guide. Do you know that the average number of birds people see in their backyard is 11 different kinds? Yeah. You can learn 11 <laughs> different kinds of birds. You don't need to know 600. <clears throat> so that uh, we've got those, those species on the poster. And then we send a little calendar so you can keep track of your bird counts and some instructions for how to count. So we try to make it real easy and, and also worthwhile for people to sign up because you get a few printed treats. Yeah, well, that's Very excellent. Neat. I was going to ask about uh, bird ID tips and to have that poster is it is a really great poster uh, and it, it covers feeder birds across U.S. and Canada. Uh, so. I, I know I got to plug the other app that Cornell Lab Ornithology has put together that is really yeah. excellent for helping you ID birds. That Merlin app. Oh my goodness. It, I mean, we talk about that app all the time yeah, on, we do. on our podcast. Yeah, Merlin is really a great tool for folks, you know, because it's based on the location and time of year. And you just need a few identifying features to really get down to the clues of what you have. But now that, yeah, it's got the, the recognition from, you know, the, the songs and the calls and you could just put your phone out there and bring up the app and hit the button. And it is amazing. And it is pretty doggone accurate, too. I, I've been stunned at how really close. I mean, every once in a while I get something maybe, but overall, most of the birds that it's hearing, it's identifying. And I love the fact that it lists them. It makes them into a list. And then as they sing again or call again, it, it highlights it in yellow. So you can actually go, oh, there's that tuft of tip mouse. I got it. Okay. So unbelievable. It's a I just, super cool app and it's free. It's free. <laughs> John, I just had a, uh, a neighbor. Like we were catching up yesterday and they said, you know that app you shared with us for the birds? We were just camping and while we're on our hike, we're, we opened the app and holy cow. And they were just, their mind was blown. They were, they mm -hmm. loved it. He couldn't stop talking about it. And they're, they're slowly getting into watching the birds in their own backyard and now out outside of their backyard. So mm -hmm. it, it's fantastic. And being able to get people interested in not just, well, first of all, watching the birds, right? And what Project Feeder Watch does to help with that. And just to toss something in, it's not totally related, obviously, to the Project Feeder Watch because we're talking Merlin all of a sudden. But the bottom line is, I just came back from Panama a couple of weeks ago and uh, on a birding trip. And the other thing about Merlin is so cool is I can download a pack of 
birds for Panama and then just select that. So when I'm in Panama, Merlin is now just showing me the possible birds that are around me in Panama. So that was, you just don't get any better than that. It was incredibly valuable while we were birding down in Panama. So wonderful app. If you don't have it yet, you really, really should consider going and downloading it. Yeah, it's a fantastic tool, oh, worldwide fantastic yeah, tool. Yeah, yeah. We actually just created a new tool last summer, and so this will be the first the first season that it's really up and running. And it is a tool that allows you to see a list of all your birds that you've seen. Okay, pretty basic, but it compares that list to what your neighbors are seeing. So you can see, have I, like, have I seen birds that they've never seen before? Also, you can see, have they seen birds that you haven't seen before? So it can help you kind of clue into what might be around that you haven't brought into your yard yet. So we're very excited about this new, it's a new data tool, but it comes all from those bird counts that everyone is submitting. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Get a little yeah. competition going with my neighbors. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Any other things you'd like to leave our listeners with, Emma? And any other things they need to know? Oh, um, gosh. Final thoughts. The secret to life, or uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what is real? What is dark matter really? Or <laughs> I, yeah, I think just to just to enjoy the birds that you have, and and think about think about how in your own backyard you can really cultivate a, a safe spot for birds, a nice habitat for them by leaving a little of your lawn unmowed, leaving a few leaves unraked, and you can make a little bit of difference for them. That's what I would say. You know, John, we didn't even pay her to tell that, to say that. But that's we say really similar I'm things you all the time. I'm glad you brought that in because that is one of the things. You actually don't need feeders. You can just count the birds in your backyard and, and add them onto a project feeder watch you know, list, a checklist. So, yeah, I, that, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I really, when I was thinking about the you know today's topic and stuff, I was thinking, yeah, we got to make that point, and we had not made it yet. So, excellent. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. But you don't need feeders to feeder watch, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. <laughs> That seems wrong, but we'll go with it. I know, <laughs> right. I know. So wrong, but so right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Emma, I think uh, that's covered everything we want to cover and uh, really, truly appreciate you being with us today. And uh, anytime you'd like to come back, let us know. If you want to at some point, you know, one of the things I, I know you do and work very hard at is doing the final uh, results, uh, the tabulations and the, and the information available to everyone about what we learned from that project feeder watch last year and what were the the trends that we were seeing so maybe we'll have you back and do uh do that in the future hey yeah. that'd be great yeah that'd be great okay so people need to sign up because project feeder watch starts next month right november yeah. 1st yep. yeah yeah and we didn't so we did, yeah through april through the end of april right? right yeah through the end of april so you get six I think that's six months of counting and you can count as often as you like, but you don't have to count every weekend. Sometimes folks think, oh, I don't have time for this. If you count a couple times all winter, that's a contribution that's very meaningful. So whenever you can. Perfect. Making it as easy as possible. We try, we try. 
That's fantastic. Well, Emma, uh, like John was saying, man, we really do appreciate having you join us today and bring all sorts of information about Project Feeder Watch and how people can get connected about how to be a backyard scientist just by watching your birds and, and sharing what you see. That's the ticket. That's all a scientist is, is someone who looks at stuff and maybe writes it down. It's all about the data. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Absolutely. And please join us next time where we're going to be talking about a cornucopia of joy. And that's what birds really are. And it's that time of the year we'll be talking about cornucopia, right? So until then, Brian and I are going to continue to let nature be our guides. So please take care, be safe, and keep those feeders clean. Thanks for joining us, everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, for show notes, or to find the Wild Birds Unlimited store near you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. And we really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. But until next time, we hope you find a moment every day to relax and enjoy the birds.